There she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa, she's ready to go to the stars. This is the 300th episode of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Its mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. Aye, Captain. And now, our host... This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. And this is Rich. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of being lured down to a darkened alley and sold pictures of plucked octopus and striped pajamas. What? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about, Bruce? <laughs> I'm sorry, was I not supposed to talk about that? You know, what stays in the back alley at Tritech? Anyways, welcome to the Tritech Games Podcast. Uh, This week we are talking about hardwired hinterland, in case you were wondering why I would start off with such a strange premise. Uh, It it is a strange and crazy place. It's much like Camelot, uh, you know, in Spamalot. It's 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 a silly place. <laughs> Hopefully, you have all who are our faithful listeners had a chance to check out this game and play it. But we will give it a, a quick rundown as to what it is. Not that that that's what we're, we're talking about. Triangle trade uh, in the hardwired hinterland, and we're talking about the the economic resources and playing the game more on the lines of an economic basis rather than just a pure adventure. Not that you can't do both. But just that, you know, if you ever want to do it, sometimes it would make sense to just sit down and look at what's out there. And that's what we're trying to do. So, uh, Trav, why don't you uh, give a quick rundown of what the Hardwired Hinterland is? Okay, the Hardwired Hinterland is a, to say it's a unique place would be an understatement. It consists of a vast ocean and there are islands called environs set up in a perfect grid. They are 200 miles square each on each side, so 4,000 square miles, all separated each on every side by 200 miles of water. Now, each of these environs have people and locales scooped from many times and places. So on one locale, you will have New York City 1920. In another, you will have Siberia 1710. In another, you will have the Detroit-Windsor area from like the 1950s. And these people were just all scooped and plopped right on these environs. Each environ has different physical and natural and, in some cases, magical laws. And due to the super omnivoric wildlife in that ocean area, most trade, well, all trade is done by air, particularly DC-3s, that have a little something extra to help them get around. The device is known as a light... Ah, okay. All right. Well, they've known. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, if they, they've known, they know what this is. I mean, yeah, lightning crystals. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you were stopping me from talking. Okay. No, 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 no. I was just just being. Just being ah, I got there. No, I'm, I'm sorry, John. You must mean lightning crystals. That's what I say, lightning crystals. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and I always mess this up. It reduces 90% of the mass or the weight of the vehicle. Same thing. Okay. But it allows having a lightning crystal on board your DC three allows for you to do things you can't normally do with that type of plane. If you know what a DC three looks like, aerodynamic it is not. If you know of the old cargo cults, Uh, yeah, DC three is actually very aerodynamic. What what it does though is that you have alcohol fueled engines. And you were talking, you know, what, quarter horsepower of what you normally would expect to get? You know, that's the only way that they can get off the ground is with the lightning crystals. Yeah. But that also means that you don't need a lot of lift to take it off because you don't need that much velocity to get something that light off the air, yeah. off the ground into the air. So, yeah, you, these lightning crystals are what makes for traveling from environ to environ and you are you you never know what you'll find on a new environ it's just a, a plane trip away the best way to describe it is mixing tailspin the disney cartoon based on the jungle book with maybe some indiana jones or the old tv series um bring them back alive and tales of the gold monkey yep and, not like and, best way to Car- and the animated clutch cargo yep and now a little bit of uh, Indiana Jones and maybe uh, uh, Nadia, uh, Secret of the Blue Water, for, if you've got an anime reference. So uh, we have a very strange, uh, unusual environment. And these environs, because they are at different tech levels and they have different types of people on them, uh, they're all going to have things that they, they produce or they have – and things that they need. And so we wanted to talk about, you know, how, how this is. Now, there is what's considered the core environs, uh, and then there's the, some more of the outlying environs. And I didn't, uh, when I took my notes, uh, I didn't go through the map carefully to make sure I could see how to set up a, uh, an interesting triangle trait. And for those who are unfamiliar with that term, the idea is, is that you want to take something from one environ to another environ, sell it there, buy something else, take that to a third environ, sell it there, buy something else, and then bring back something that your original environ needs. And the idea is that you're making money on each leg of it. Of course, if you could make it a five-leg, a six-leg, that would be even better. But three is, is usually considered about the minimum uh, historically. And historically, what we were talking about uh, was between the United States and, um, and and Africa and Europe, where they would uh, uh, they would go, they would take money down to Africa and buy slaves, and then the slaves would be brought over to the Caribbean, where they would be used to uh, uh, run plantations, and you'd take the uh, sugar the uh, uh, from the plantations and the molasses. And you would take that up to uh, either uh, to 
to North America or over to Europe, where it would then be distilled into alcohol, um, and which would then be sold. And so that was your triangle trade there. So we're looking for something similar, or hopefully something that doesn't involve slavery, though there is something close to slavery that would be that could possibly be happening. So I made up a grid here, and I've got environs and what they produce and what they need. Of course, that's in my opinion. Um, and I thought we'd go through that and uh, and see what each each environ has to, to offer to the greater community of the hardwire hinterland. So the first thing I've got is New Akron. Okay. And New Akron basically produces advanced avionics and metals, aircraft, and Amish horse breeding. Yeah. Okay. Sounds about okay. right. <laughs> okay. It's because uh, New Akron uh, has the largest Amish population uh, in the hinterland, and apparently they're very good at produce, uh, they, they produce some very high-quality horses. Now, these are not the same as the horses that you, we find over on some of the other ones. These are just regular good horses okay, um, that are healthy and everything else. But mostly what they're known for is, they have, uh, is their production of aircraft. On New Akron, there is a place called the Boneyard, which has thousands of DC-3s in various states of repair and assembly. And a lot of the uh, aircraft uh, from in the hardwire hinterland comes from that. Uh, and so uh, it, it made sense that they would become a center for aircraft design, aircraft production, aircraft repair, and all of the... Um, specialized manufacturing that goes into that sort of thing. And, of course, they're also the site of where they're building the Air Beagle. Uh, they also have a, a huge a dirigible uh, production plant there as well. So it isn't just the DC-3. So they're everything having to do with um, uh, avionics, and that's their big thing. What they need is, of course, uh, they need fuel. And a lot of it, because there's a lot of planes flying in and out of there, and uh, they uh, that takes a, a lot of stuff. Of course, they need a ton, ton, a metric ton. Is, is that more? Uh, anyways, lots and lots of alu- uh, uh, aircraft-grade aluminum. They need lightning crystals to make all these planes run. Electric parts, electronic parts for like radios and for um, switches and, and gyros and, and uh, motors and everything else. And, of course, they need a lot of high-quality motor oil uh, for uh, lubrication as well as you know, making certain things operate. Um, I don't know what they use uh, uh, for their uh, hydraulics. Um, is, are they using an oil for that, Richard? Probably made out of avocados. Okay. All right. Well, we know where those, we can talk about where those come from <laughs> later on. So basically not a glycol base. Yeah, you know, glycol would take a lot more work to make. So yeah, an oil base hydraulic. Okay. Yeah. I just wondered, uh, cause I know it's not water yeah. and, uh, I, <clears throat> I, 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 you know, there, there, there's jokes about people who, uh, uh, decide to replace their, their oil, uh, their hydraulic fluid with water. And we're surprised that their brakes didn't work. So, 
Okay, so you know, so there's things that they need. Uh, New Acre needs these things, is they have to get it from some of these other environs because they don't have the ability to produce most of these. Now, we're not talking usually about just like food. There's only a few places that need to import their own food. I mean, usually there's farms around you know, that are producing stuff. We figure the Amish are probably producing food and, and whatnot because these environs, as, as uh, Trav said, are 200 miles by 200 miles, and that's a lot of territory. Uh, and almost all of it is habitable uh, on most in- environs, so it means they can be producing you know, the, the general stuff. But it's these other things that just aren't easily to come by or perhaps they're being made cheaper uh, and more readily on another environ and therefore become a good import um, uh, material because they have plenty to export planes, lots of them, and they do that. John, maybe you want to talk about uh, Almost Canada because uh, New Akron and Almost Canada are practically you know, bosom buddies. Actually, let's let Trav because he's already done work on it already. So let's let Trav talk. All right, Almost Canada is had, was scooped up from 1929 Windsor and the Detroit area. So you have you know that whole southeastern Michigan area where Rich and John and I all hail from, and you have it's the what is it? The Grain, Wool, and Fuel Processing Center for New Akron. New Akron needs fuel to run them DC-3s, so almost Canada, the fact that they have the fuel processing, that's why. That's one of the main reasons why these two are tight. Almost Canada shares with New Akron as sort of the, the high-tech and informational center of the hinterlands because they're coming up with something known as the hinterland census. They actually wish to explore, with the help of New Akron and making the Air Beagle, into finding out just what is on this strange, uh, artificially formed archipelago, for lack of a better term, because it's just a series of islands going on to infinity. Windsor maybe 1929, Detroit's 1950. Okay, yeah, it says year here, 1929. Uh, but, uh, but on the second page, 23, it says the 1950s version of Detroit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. changed some things, especially when it comes to certain places like the Rouge River plant. Yeah. And Detroit, it says, is just a collection of mostly abandoned homes, a wharf, and Hudson's department store. The bright spot in this future area expansion is the Detroit Cafe, a warehouse that's a nightclub with an adjacent coffee shop that never closes. The Greek Navy bean soup is legend. Oh, yeah. You got it. If you're going to Detroit, go to Greektown and get some navy bean soup. Yeah. Now, now Richard, um, it says they process fuel. Now, are, are we talking um, alcohol or are we talking oil? In, in Windsor, there were the huge distilleries that operated all the way through the Prohibition. Mm, that's right. The, new, uh, wa- the Walker distilleries, yeah. Right. Yes, and in Detroit... It's mostly, it's, by 19, there isn't a lot of Detroit left, but there's pieces of it, and maybe some of the Ford plants, pieces like that, but not a lot. It was almost an incomplete transfer, because you didn't get a lot of, you know, cut by cut through by the river. You never ended up with the huge amount of an industry, Warren, any of the other places. 
that were in the Detroit area. But Windsor was pretty complete. So, Richard, the important question is about the Rouge River plant, because even in the 1950s, that thing still was was uh, uh, the Rouge River plant's very special because it was it was the largest integrated production plant ever built. Uh, it basically was like 1.5 miles in in size. I mean, in, in length on it, and raw materials to come in one end, and they probably got about half of it. Did they? It is not as, as it is not the steel producing ah. plant or steel manufacturing plant it was. <laughs> I'd say where John was going with that. Yeah, yeah, the steel mills because basically, literally, raw materials. When we see raw materials, iron ore would come into the plant, rubber would come into the plant, wood, other things, and they would make everything. You know, we're talking including the paint. They made everything. Yeah, folks, the Rouge plant today in real life is part of the Henry Ford Museum in Greenfield Village. And just know, this place is just a marvel of just the auto industry and just the technology that goes into make, having made cars over the past, what, 100 years now. It is a, it's a sight to see. Okay. So but- even three quarters of a mile of it would still have a lot of useful things, even if you didn't get the steel processing. Well, so Richard, uh, what is there? What is there beyond the distillery uh, part of it? I mean, so I, we know that mostly, a, not, mostly farms. Okay, so uh, I, I noticed that uh, almost Canada produces grain. So, are they distilling alcohol from grain, or are they distilling alcohol from other sources? They're distilling it from grain. They're also distilling it from uh, basically sugar, sugar cane, which is coming from Etiwango. Yeah, because it's the right environment for sugar cane, but also, well, I'll, I'll talk about Etiwango when we get to Etiwango, because it has some other things it produces too. Yeah, the, um, but the, the major thing about New Windsor is that the University of New Windsor is there, and it's just all the drop-ins and people who just come and they want to learn about this place, it is the center of intelligentsia in the hinterlands. If you want to learn, want to read, want to know, almost Canada's University of New Windsor is the place to be. Except for Carnegie. It's also for culture and uh, for culture and music, too. Except for New Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. which has Carnegie, uh, Carnegie Library in it. That's another place, yeah. Yeah, Carnegie yeah. University. Yeah. So it's and, and and that is also said in the 1950s. So it's uh, they don't. Now also, a lot of steel processing went on there. Where? In Pittsburgh. Oh yeah. Area. Oh yeah. We're definitely going to get to that. Okay. So um, yeah. So basically, what I have producing is grain, wool, processing fuel, um, education, and the and the this and distillery because so, it's not i mean when they have, if they have the distillery it doesn't necessarily just produce alcohol for for fuel consumption all kinds of <coughs> consumption of course <laughs> yeah so it's, it's also according to the write up it's also a place where you where training point for exotic whiskey exotic whiskey wine spirits that have been sellers from all over the hinterland so it's a place where you can you know buy a buy a bottle cheap Cheap, uh, you know, moonshine someone's making and 60 year old scotch. 
Ooh. And even older things, if they find them and they bring them in. But the thing is, things don't age until you take them away from the maintenance. So even if you did find an amphora full of Grecian wine, it's fresh wine until you, know, until you take it away. And then it, then it starts aging at that point. Unless it's a wine warehouse and it's been 60 years old for who knows how long. That's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> and remember also that the maintenance are micro machines. They're not nanobots. So things that happen on a very, you know, um, let's say sophisticated chemical level, they don't handle that. No. But but I thought, they, but thought things were kept fresh. I mean, if you walked into a Dunkin' Donuts, you know, in the middle of a, of a forest, everything there, everything in there is fresh. That's, that's always my impression. Yeah. So they, so, so, so until you loot it and you live there for a few weeks, and then nothing is your stock. Yeah. No, you can loot, but there's, and there's a small chance that the maintenance go, oh, you so-and-so, and restock it at that point. But there's a very small chance. If they decide not to restock it, then it's, yeah, it's gone. But that thing, I think that's where most of the coffee comes from. <laughs> no, 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 John. No, John. Most coffee comes from another of the environs. Oh, that's right. Which one grows? That's right. Which one grows? We'll get to that one again, yeah. Right, so let's move on to Anson's Kingdom. Anson's Kingdom is a very is a kind of a strange place in 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 the sense that it's essentially Doctor Doom's country because you have this country that's just filled with peasants who are poor but well fed. But the, but there really isn't much of anything there as far as technology, as far as industry or anything else, except for the mining of crystals. So, um, so what they produce essentially is crystals, food, and in the food specifically, their exports are hams and bacon. There, there is. Uh, there are rumors that there are cart-sized pigs uh, and, and hogs in there, but everyone seems to deny this fact. For some, I don't know why. And the question is, how many of those pigs are busy going? No, no, I'm not. I'm not food. No. But anyway. Okay. All right, <laughs> John. We're not talking about that. Yeah, I know. We're not talking about that. <laughs> All right. So now, what do what do they need? Okay. Well, obviously they need fuel. Uh, since they don't have any distilleries or any kind of industry, they have to bring that all in. Yes, they do. Under biofuel, page 25, they actually produce corn for making the alcohol. Oh, really? It says that? Yeah. All outlying right. districts of Anson's Kingdom produce corn for processing the alcohol. This is oh, I take it back then. All right. Let me mark that out. All right. So they don't need fuel. However... Uh, they do need um, – oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong line. Okay. Uh, they need military hardware wa- hardware, and advanced planes to fight air pirates because they, more than any other place in the environ, have something that's easily transportable and very valuable, and that's lightning crystals. Okay. The other thing that they need is slaves. <clears throat> Serfs, serfs, they're serfs, slaves, slaves, because 
um, uh, on the page that they talk about uh, what things are illegal in the hinterlands and they talk about drugs. The, uh, if you are convicted of, of uh, distributing the drugs on that page, you get a nice tour of the, uh, uh, of the mines at, uh, at Anson's Kingdom. So apparently there's a kind of a, you know, a work you know, uh, program with, uh, with the prisoners that uh, anybody who gets convicted in the, in the hinterland of drug dealing gets sent to Anson's Kingdom for a while to work the mines. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, "Huh, <laughs> it's good for Anson's kingdom." I, I just, it just, everyone seemed to. They said the conclave got together and agreed on this, and I'm like, "Okay." So all the the heads of the major core <coughs> firearms all said, "Hey, we need lightning crystals. We don't need people selling drugs. Let's go and work these two things together." Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's not license. I hope. It's not a life. No, no, no. It's not a life sentence. No. Now, you know, and uh, I mean, and I'm sure there are, sur- you know, they, they, they use serfs there on Anson's Kingdom also to, uh, to, to work the mines. But it, it just, you know, this is, this is like I say, this is a strange thing because you've got these, you know, like medieval castle, these fortresses, you know, to protect the mines and the, uh, and, and the air knights. And of course, they're going to have really high tech planes and you know fighter jets and whatever they can get their hands on. You know the the best in military hardware for protecting their mines from air pirates because the air pirates are going to want to come to this place and get stuff because, or if not there, to hit uh, as escorts to, to, to hit the uh, the shipments as they leave Anson's Kingdom. So Anson's Kingdom needs lots of that stuff. So there's definitely a market there for planes that are being produced at uh, New Akron. Yeah. Now, I, now I don't doubt they use jets because when jets are well, pit, they, they they're gluttons. They just eat fuel like crazy. And if you're using alcohol, I don't even care if you have lightning crystals. They still eat fuel. So we're talking probably things like Mustangs and uh, World War vintage World War II aircraft, probably. So which means they need bullets. Lots of them. <laughs> lots and lots of bullets. And some of those aircraft did carry missiles. So you could, with little upgrades, put, you know, you know, aim, you know, uh, high tech missiles on those suckers. You know, hopefully they can aim themselves, but, you know, that's still possible. <laughs> so it's, you know, that's, that's another possibility. Of course, when I play in the game, they were flying, they were flying, uh, I have them flying, um, biplanes, you know, collection of, why would they? Because they're the knights of the air, and this is and, and biplanes were the vehicles of the knights of the. And they're wonderfully maneuverable. Yeah. Well, I, I I see them being like sitting ducks, you know, when the uh, when the air pirates come in. Oh yeah. So, uh, you know, that's one reason why you might want to have a jet is because you know. <laughs> I, I imagine they probably have one or two jets just for that purpose. I, I imagine that the Knights of the Air are basically their equivalent of the Blue Angels. They're mainly there for show, you know. Unlike the unlike the old uh, unlike the Russians who like to march their arm their weaponry down the streets for all to see, they like to keep their stuff kind of hidden. And you find out the hard way they have they have MiG twenty threes. With with you know fully armed, you know they come up and, and bite you in the butt. 
Well, the, te the text of Anson's Kingdom indicates that you're very likely to run into them, and when it happens, you're not going to like the results. So I don't think they're that well hidden. <laughs> but I think must uh, even World War yeah World War II Mustangs and 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 so the German aircraft those would be I wouldn't want to go against them. Uh, they they would be really nasty. Yeah, you know the the Black Sheep Squadron planes. Those would be probably very good planes to use. And 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 you know with a with able to switch it over to real fuel when when needed. Because a lot of planes actually had that. They had like two sets of tanks, one with a lot better fuel in it and, uh, and, and just the regular fuel, just in case that happened. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that he actually probably has this lovely little store of aviation fuel that, you know, is only used when needed. Well, of course. I mean, there is, there is an oil well. It does produce oil, and a lot of it, however, is supplying the entire hinterland. But he's got a lot of money, and therefore he can afford to buy it. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, I don't think there's a problem about him, them having the, the fuel that they need for their aircraft. I'm sure they have it. Everybody else is using, uh, might have to use alcohol, but I'm pretty sure that Anson's uh, air uh, nights have the fuel that they need to run a high-tech, high-performance airplane. Okay. Hmm. All right. So did anybody do um, New Old New York? No. All right. Well, um, New Old New York is known for cream-filled sponge cake, small parts manufacturing, and theater. Okay. So that's what they have to offer to the rest of the Environ. Uh, they, you know, is, is shipping out that sponge cake, uh, sending out troops of people to perform because they are the only place that really has a, a performing arts. There might, I think, there's is there a Shakespearean theater over in New Windsor? Probably. I would but, not. I would not rule that out. No. But they definitely have Times Square and the whole theater district in New Old yeah. New York. And so yeah, it would make sense that they would be going out, you know, throughout the environ with troops of, of performers to go and put on new plays and existing plays and, of course, very classic plays like Romeo and Juliet. And so that would be a, a, a very real, you know, export for them. Now, of course, that's also not something you... vaudeville. Right, and vaudeville, sure. I mean, that isn't something that you could, like, you know... It's not like a, a thing that you sell to somebody and they can buy and then they turn it into something else. You know, that this is this is an export, but it's not for consumption in that normal sense. So on a triangular trade, I don't think it would help very much. But the um, but the small parts manufacturing definitely could get it could do that. Okay, now what do they need, sir? Uh, this is a question. Where did you get the small cream cakes? I'm looking to the write-up. I don't see where that's listed. Uh, because it says there are a number of specialty items that um, I can't tell you exactly where you can search for it. Specialty ec uh, food exports. Uh, that okay. And one of them was the uh, w uh, was that uh, they mentioned sandwiches in New Pittsburgh, but you're not going to export a sandwich. But you can't export a cream-filled sponge cake. Yep. It's shaped like a little brick. 
and there and there are a few other things. Uh, and um, and when we get to New Brasilia, grilled beef is also something that can be shipped out. Oh, Brazilian beef! Oh, mm. yes, the street of beef. Yeah, we'll be talking and about coffee. that soon. Well, that's yeah. So, uh, but anyways, uh, what do they need? Uh, of course, they need fuel uh, because they're not a big manufacturing uh, of of. They don't have like distilleries and other things like that. They also need building supplies, and they need um, uh, salvage tech. I'll talk about that in a second. The reason I'm mentioning building supplies is because they still have these st- skyscrapers. Now, somebody like Mike uh, Wachowski, what was it, Trav? The the guy Mike. from OSHA. Mike Bonkowski. Bonkowski. There's got to be some, yeah, somebody like Mike Bonkowski is going to walk into new old New York and just say, these buildings are about to collapse. Okay. This is, this, <laughs> these are not, this is not safe construction here. Okay. And he's going to be like jumping up and down. So even though they want new old New York to look like new old New York, I have a feeling that there's going to be a kind of a behind the scenes upgrade you know, uh, policy and operation where they're trying to, you know, especially since the maintenance aren't there anymore, they're slowly trying to bring, uh, you know, replace parts of buildings and, and upgrade them and, re- for, you know, reinforce them so that they actually aren't going to fall down, you know, or if there's an earthquake, they're not going to just go, go bad because otherwise, you know, uh, these big tall skyscrapers of their time, you know, they those things suffer from a lot of uh, metal fatigue and other things like that. They need constant maintenance. So uh, I'm, I'm sure they would. This this place, and along with New or uh, New Pittsburgh, probably would normally need a lot of stuff. Except that New Pittsburgh is where you get those building supplies. So I see New Old New York as one of the prime places for shipping in building supplies from other places. Yeah. Now, one thing I was asking Richard earlier about this uh, little side, each of these environs, the kind of people who show up here are the kind of people who kind of live there. So, yeah, it's 1935 New York, and most of these people are from New York's from that period. I would say, what, give or take, you know, 30, 40 years so they're all New Yorkers. And some of these people would look at Mike Bonkowski and go, what do you mean it's a bad place? This is just a good building. You shut up. You know, <laughs> and they go on from that point. Forget about it. Yeah, until it falls down. And yeah. people, considering it's a free society, people tend to migrate to where they're most comfortable. Uh, I'm not questioning any of that. But I'm just saying, though, is that anybody who knows, who's an actual engineer is going to look at these buildings and realize that, they can't last a hundred years without some serious upgrades. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. With population is two hundred thousand, it's one of the more populous uh, environs. And what most of those people live in New York City, am I correct, Richard? <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of them live in New York in apartments. Right, and so and and remember the fact that this in the hardware hinterland, nobody gets any older. Yeah. So saying we need these buildings to last another hundred years is not. You know, a pie in the sky kind of a concept. That's like 
yeah, I'm still going to be living in this apartment 100 years from now. I don't want my tenement falling down around me. Yeah, or me falling through the floor because it finally gave way. Yeah. Right. So I'm saying is that they're going to need some building materials to to at least maintain, if not improve, the structure of these buildings. Even though they're going to even though they're going to keep the 19, you know, whatever, uh, you know, the new old New York mystique to it. Well, you know, it's you're going to have a guy there who's in the construction business who knows people. They can help you out. <laughs> and also, you got a lot of crafts. If, if, if it does hold true, you got a lot of craftspeople who actually know how to make these make a lot of the stuff. So, yes, a cornice falls off the building. Ah, don't worry about it. I can make a new one. You know, give me forget yeah, about forget it. Forget about it. I can, I can <laughs> yeah. make it. Forget about yeah, it. I can yeah. make it into one. It's no problem. I just need some plaster and, and a couple guys from the uh, east side over here. We get up there really quick for you. <laughs> Yeah, I get Vinny and Bobby. It's all good. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, they still have to buy it from off off Environ. Yeah. So I imagine that building materials, yeah, a lot of raw materials too that they can you know literally fashion into the necessary uh, necessary bits they need to replace. Right. Well, within certain within certain things, but even so, a lot of that stuff is going to still be coming out. You know, coming in fabricated form is at least to some extent from off Environ. Yeah. Now I can see someone though going. You know, it's a nice building, but it's going to fall down. Let's scavenge it. That's what I was just thinking. I was thinking the buildings that we, they know aren't going to last. Yeah, you know, they'll just yeah, they'll they'll scrap them. They'll scrap them from that building and. Maybe some of the materials from that are still good enough to help shore up, help shore up the other ones. Yeah, you take you take some gra- you know, you take some stone from one, some rebar from another. Yeah, you could probably fix a floor. You know, and just rebar is actually a modern thing. It's uh, like 1950s. Uh, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll take that back. 1930, they were using rebar in the construction of of the of the. Um, Hoover Dam. Hoover Dam. Yes. Yeah, but but John, this is what I'm talking about. Is that there's no reason why they wouldn't use rebar inside of a 1920 building to basically fix a deficiency in it, as long as it ends up looking like a 1920 building. Yeah, and if, if the building, and if some of these openings are going to fall down, and they have a girder, you know, iron girder interior. Those girders are going to be taken down too. And get recycled, maybe just shipped off to, to Pittsburgh, New Pittsburgh, to get them melted down and sent back as brand new ones. Right. There you go. Right. So yeah, I'm saying that's how, then that's one way they would have a paying for it, but but mostly, you know, they, it, it, I think they would need to send something else, uh, probably money. <laughs> uh, all right. So is there anything else on uh, New Old New York, or should we move on? Oh, I'm sorry, I was going to mention. Uh, New New Jersey, a, a, a small town in New Old New York, uh, Environ, is a center for salvage tech. So they need tech from all over the place that is found, uh, and some of the places where it's it's found, it's it's hunted, as in uh, Noran. So uh, that's they're going to have an ongoing market there for tech to, and I assume that they're trying to reverse engineer or at least figure out how to to reproduce uh, in that town because that's you know what I think that's what they're doing there, right, Richard? Yeah, mostly. Now, one thing I, one thing I do know is also is that they are a place to get well vintage cars. 
they are restoring and rebuilding cars and cabs and so forth. So I can see them, you know, going, well, we don't need all these cars. Maybe we can ship them off to someplace like New Akron. You know, uh, they may be uh, maybe rebuilding cars for shipping for shipping. Bruno's Vineyards. Because uh, that fits with the, the aesthetic of Bruno's Vineyards. Vintage cars. So, yeah. And all right. So, uh, but anyway, so if you have tech, okay, then, you know, and it's uh, the two, the two big places to sell it at would be either um, New Akron or uh, here in new old New York in um, new New Jersey. So moving on to new Brasilia, what I, what I have been able to, Piece together, what it produces is rubber, fruit, grilled beef, coffee, and lots of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's be honest. If, 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 it, if, if it rots, it can ferment. If it ferment, you can make an alcohol. So, yeah, they're probably using a lot of fruit-based alcohols. Oh, yeah. When I, oh, when I did my research on um, – when I did my research on the Yanomami for my Maze World campaign – Oh, you'd be surprised the number of stuff that they have in the Amazon jungle, which New Brasilia would probably have a large portion of, that they ferment into, you know, drinkable and bibleable. Okay. Yeah. Brazil Brazil has the greatest distilleries. Their alcohol system for automobiles is unbelievable. And it's all made of pampas grass. And the U.S. won't look at what pampas grass does and the fact it could be planted harvested it grows fast and so you're you can make about modern, very good oh, pardon you're talking about modern day oh modern day right but yeah. pompous grass is an absolutely fermentable material yeah of course we're talking 1915 brazil so yeah but they would learn okay but they, but they, they, but uh, it, it says in the description of the environ that the, one of the major things that they produce there is alcohol, and I assume mm. that's for consumption in the rest of the environ because their tech level is relatively low speaking. So they're mostly uh, are being things are being pulled around by animals in New Brazil, New Brasilia. So uh, they are the primary and, and pretty much the only source of rubber trees. In the entire environ, um, they are very well known for their grilled beef, the street of beef we were talking about, and they have more and better coffee trees than anywhere else in the environ. So, outside of finding a uh, uh, a Dunkin' Donuts off in the middle of some environ, if you want coffee, this is where you come to to get it, and even and it's in such high demand, it's still fifty dollars a pound. And that's ooh, fifty. Like Jamaican, ooh, like Jamaican Blue Mountain. Okay. And that's fifty New Akron dollars, which equates yeah. to about thirty-five, you know, modern-day dollars. Yeah, it's getting up there. Yeah, for some reason, whenever someone finds a in-tech uh, um, Starbucks, no one touches it for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just just understand that when you say fifty New Akron dollars. You're talking about 50 times 35 to equate to our modern society. So we're talking thousands of dollars a pound. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that coffee shop in, in New in, in, in Detroit starts starting to look a bit pricey. 
<laughs> That's why uh, John keeps going on and on about this, is because he knows what a gold mine it is, literally. Dunkin' Donuts, Tim Hortons, you know, be honest, you know, you know, Starbucks. You find those suckers, bang! You got you you got gold in in five pound bags. <laughs> you can go buy yourself a plane. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, let's see here. Uh, tropical environment, uh, complete caskets, yeah. Right. So, unfortunately, what they need is everything else. So, they're a good source for pretty much everything else when it comes to anything that isn't like, you know, a purely natural product. Like, I don't think they, they uh, I, uh, I don't think any of these environs, uh, they mentioned a couple of times about wood, but I'm like, most of these environs, I don't really see them needing to import wood. Uh, they, you can pretty much cut down your trees and, and, and use them. There may be some hardwood certain places that might be very valuable in that regard, like teak. You know, that might be something that might be in New Brasilia or even Etiwongo. But most places... Most places it'll be easy to find the wood. Yeah, wood. It's the other materials. And stone, of course. Stone's always... Oh, yeah. Richard, this is a question that crossed my mind while doing this. Are the environs maintained... That is, if I were to clear cut the entire an entire environment, would it come? Would it magically come back after a while? No, it would naturally come back. Naturally come back. So, so they're not being maintained. So, this that brings up, uh, yeah. So that, that there are some, there are a couple of environments that almost have to be maintained because of various for various reasons. But we'll talk about that when we come to them. But yeah, so in this case, if they're not, if they're smart, they plant saplings and make sure they maintain their trees. Otherwise, it's a limited resource. Well, it says also here at the last paragraph of resources, John, this environment also has amazing biodiversity and more wildlife than they know what to do with. The ecology is in balance for now because of the hostility of the native Indians and the knowledge that second chances are rare. That would also include the fauna, or the, the, I always mess this up. The flora, those native tribes such as the Yanomami, oh, you're going to sit there and cut clear-cut our forest so you can make this, that, and the other? I don't think so. And in the previous paragraph, they talk about they have few firearms, their blowguns and bows are hellishly accurate, and they are masters of paralytic agents. So if you try to cut down said forest, you will fall in a heap on the forest floor. <laughs> You also forget, as well as a slave trade and kidnapping for ransom, you know, and some tries ruined to be in league with the air pirate. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, they they would be coming in with their planes and just shuttling off these people. Yeah, problem is, see, that's the thing these these guys have the home court advantage. You're going to sit there and try to take somebody on their turf where they know every square inch of the fort. Good luck with that. Yeah, that that would be a battle I'd love to see because you just see a bunch of these air knights dropping. <laughs> yeah, but this is a good example of people appearing on an environment that basically couldn't get here otherwise. I mean, these tribes they had to be here, they had to appear here to get here because I don't see them catching a flight to uh, Brasilia. Well, uh, well, what what date is this again? What year did this come from? When we turn back, nineteen fifteen. Oh yeah, 1915. The Yanomami were still all up in the Amazon, um, Brazil, and Venezuela. I believe they in that border area. Oh no, they were all in the jungles back then. They didn't start coming out and 
excuse me, modernizing until well into the 20th century. So, yeah. About the 1970s. I was about to make a little joke about how about whenever a whole tribe made a left-hand turn it, uh, suddenly and all of a sudden show up here. But, you know. More than likely. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe, maybe it was the one of those. got too big, they split off a group of five or ten people. Couples, whatever, would take off and form a new village. Well, yeah, they they would go off and build their own shabono, which is the round. Imagine sort of a lean-to awning, but it's done in an oval with an open area at one end, so you can all go in mm-hmm. and sleep under. That's a shabono. That is pretty much a multiple-person Yanomami dwelling. So yeah, five or ten people do a new tribe and just make their own shabono. Yeah. And don't forget, though, there's evidence that there was actually massive, a massive civilization in the, in the heartland of the Amazon. There, the, through aerial surveys, they have found places and looked around and said, yeah, there's a major city here. Not a village, a city. Now, maybe it may all wood, but still, it was a city. And there's all this terra preta. Uh, terra preta is a soil that occurs only in, in the Amazon. It's a mixture of charcoal from, from fire being mixed into the soil and the, uh, micro, and the, uh, myco, um, uh, basically fungus. Fungus that grows in the soil. It basically, it's several feet thick and is the richest, most productive soil in the world. And keeps producing. And it's self, and it's self renewing. Well, look at how lush the Amazon is, and you wonder why. Remember, the Amazon is probably the most biodiverse place on the planet with so many animal and plant species that live in that very intricate, interwoven biosystem, which kind of reminds you of like Pandora from Avatar, that, yeah, they would ha- it would have to have that type of uh, peat to facilitate all that growth. Well, it's not peat. It's living soil. It, literally, it's living soil. Oh, dude, that could be another thing. If people were to come in there and find out about that, oh, I want that on my farm. I'm going to spread that on top of my field. They'd come in and take that in a heartbeat. Well, you wouldn't spread. You wouldn't spread. Actually, the best thing to do would be to cut chunks out and ship it and then put it in the ground and, and let it spread. But still, John, you, you see my point, though. If that would be found out that that was a secret that got out, You'd have people coming in there, and the Yanomami would have their hands full because everybody would be sitting there literally wanting a piece of the action. So, yeah, that's another thing. They don't want that out. Coming in with their, hel- with their helicopters and their backhoes and digging it up. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of stuff that Bruce had said is of a natural form in New Brasilia. Just the, the, the resources alone – that could leave that environ or just vast if you know what you're looking for. Right. Okay. So, uh, so they have a lot to, to export so of, 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 of all the places. They, these, this is new Brasilia is one of the places that would probably be the best place to start off your triangle trade from, but, oh, uh, yeah. well, or, or, or the first stop because you might be bringing, cause they need everything else. Yeah. You know, okay. You know, if, if, if a thing says, you know, you know, uh, communication, you know, telephone, well, they didn't get it there. <laughs> they didn't find it there. You know, it's uh, somebody <clears throat> probably brought it in and set it up, especially like, you know, uh, television, because they have television in some of these places. And I'm looking at the circuit. I'm like, this is like way before television. So yeah, I was going to say 1915, they had 
and and South America, which I mean, other than like maybe, let's see, Rio, Sao Paulo, and maybe Manaw, which is a, a, a full five million. Well, today it'd be, it's like five million people, but it's a city smack dab in the Amazon. Other than those cities, even back in 1915, you were lucky to have radio. I mean, that this is South America in the jungle, still considered, quote unquote, a third world country. You'd be lucky to have radio. So, yeah, they would have had to import all that stuff in. Right. So that means that somebody's making money doing that. Yeah. Yep. See, communication, radio, uh, primitive TV and telephone. Well, you know, this is and this is 1915. So, uh, yeah, that that anything having to do with television has been brought in. Yeah. And I also noticed that they have rail and steamboat, which means they probably have steam trains. Uh, I, I would imagine if they can grow bamboo, they can start making a lot of charcoal to, to run these boats and, and trains because I don't see them getting coal. Right. No. So they make charcoal. But bamboo makes great charcoal. And if you can, and it grows like weeds. Okay. Oh, yeah. So it's possible. Yeah. You know, if they get some bamboo in there, they can start growing bamboo forces for the sole purpose of, you know, Making charcoal. Okay. okay, Rich, I'm I'm gonna ask this, and this goes back to what Bruce brought up about how humans regenerate quickly. I would think that the fauna would grow back a little bit quicker if it had that same regenerative quality that humans that come here have. I, I would just think that that would carry on as well. I would think that would be true. Okay. So, so you I figure mean, you're, you're you're gonna reduce the the time it takes to regrow quite a bit, probably. Well, yeah. So, yeah, you will with not only a plant's own natural regenerative abilities, but also if you get into, I'm trying to remember the word here, conservation stewardship, where, okay, you cut down a tree, you take their seeds, and you plant two or three more. Right. And then they will grow quicker than normal. So, right. yeah, okay. I want to know. All right. And because this is a semi-tropical <clears throat> climate, that means there is no real winter. So there's the, the growing season is year-round. Yeah. Oh, wow. I can just imagine if, you are, if they are growing bamboo there, you literally can see it grow. Oh, yes, and since bamboo is a form of grass, what are well, you doing? But, there would, be a, but there would be a point where it, with the growth would happen, and then it would slow down. The more mature the plant, the more it would slow down. It does mean that the Yamamani have a unique unique torture device. They bring you up and say, okay, here you go. We're going to tie you down. Oh, by the way, we put a bunch of bamboo shoots underneath you. Bye. That's been done for centuries, John. Yeah, yeah, but at least in this case, it will happen in probably a couple of days instead of a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's see here. So moving on to New Pittsburgh. Anybody take New Pittsburgh? I I, lo- I looked I looked at it, but I didn't didn't do a lot. I, I was looking for the fact that it has you know basically lots of iron ore and copper and bauxite. Uh, yeah, well, they have, uh, according to the description, they have vast and inexhaustible supplies of ore on this environ, okay? Uh, so, and they're digging it up at such a rate that they're considering turning the pits that are the result into deep water lakes. <sighs> so, you know, we're talking about a lot, okay? And um, so what they have is, what they produce is steel, copper, aluminum, parts manufacturing, metal fabrication, 
coal and wood. Again, you know, this is the only place in the entire environ where they mention coal as being produced is in New Pittsburgh. Okay? Um, and the and the uh, the steel and the copper and aluminum are all uh, are all the ore is run through this gigantic uh, template that produces them in, in usable and pure uh, forms and I beams and sheets and things like that. So this stuff is like basically ready to be immediately shipped off to places like New Pittsburgh, uh, uh, New New Old New York, or. Uh, they can then go and be fabricated into uh, and uh, alloyed and, and whatever else you want to do uh, in the, uh, the the big fabrication plants that would also be part of new uh, 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 new pittsburgh uh, that that uh, was uh, uh, was prominently in in my um, in, in my campaign uh, when they went there and they ran into the uh, uh, the the glowing green man, uh, a legend of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Now, Richard, I noticed that you 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 have the processor put out like ten by ten sheets. That's kind of a uh, of a waste. Uh, be, be be honest. If you're going to do a a form of mass production, you need them in you need like mile long sheets, not just ten by ten blocks. Um, so I can see some folks looking at going, this is great. Now we have to re completely redesign our mass production systems because they're designed for continuous operation on continuous law. It's going to be slower. Yeah. We don't know why it was built that way. Yeah. It's, it's not like you, you know, you either it produces it as it produces it, John, you don't, you don't get to reprogram it. <laughs> Yeah, so you get either at one point one six to one inch thickness. So okay, and the byproduct of all this is is um, uh, is steam and um, and bricks. So of course, everything in New Pittsburgh is built out of bricks because there's tons of them. You know, I mean, literally, they're 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 they're, they're, the thr they're literally begging people to take these things. <laughs> yeah. So so Richard, the question comes up then, therefore, because of that little statement right there, are they inexhaustible? These resources. Well, as long as they don't they don't completely dig the environment environ out beyond underground and then flood it. You didn't answer the question. Yes, I did. <laughs> no, no, yes. Are they inexhaustible? For the next few hundred years. Okay, so they're not gonna be renewed. So okay. Well, we it depends how deep they dig. And eventually they'll hit script. So, right. Well, um, the one thing that Pitts, New Pittsburgh needs more than anything else is more power, because all these things—metal fabrication, all that stuff—you know—they um, they need power. Okay, so maybe they're they have big coal-powered uh, electrical plants somewhere. Maybe you know uh, there, there there was a big one on Duquesne Island. Uh, on in one of the rivers, but I don't know if that's there. I don't know if that was made with the Environ. The, uh, the uh, Richard describes uh, the uh, PowerPoint at the uh, uh, as being able to produce enough electricity to power a small city. But when you throw in this level of manufacturing, it needs more power. So the one thing that Pittsburgh, the, the New Pittsburgh, needs more than anything else is some 
means of producing more power, uh, whether it's um, uh, nuclear batteries and generators from um, NORAM or whether they have to fabricate, you know, like, as I said, you know, um, coal-fed, steam-powered, um, you know, um, installations somewhere, they need more power. Because I had, a, I, I had them a lot, sometimes browning out and every time that the uh, power plants, uh, the, the, uh, the fabrication plants went into uh, high power because I was having them uh, use uh, induction heating. Now, now that I read the part about coal, they could probably do a lot of this using coal. But uh, at the time, I didn't see that, so I was doing it all through electrical induction, which really uses a lot of power when you do that. So, Richard, any pitch blend in uh, New Pittsburgh? Oh, probably not. We'll ask about that again when we come to New Texas, because there was pitch blend in Texas. <laughs> okay. All right. So, other than that, I, I didn't see anything that they needed. Yeah, I mean, other than money and power, yeah. So yeah, they they probably yeah they're, they're, as you said they're probably trying to get you know some sort of especially from NORAM if we can get some sort of power generation system if someone finds a working fusion reactor New Pittsburgh would be the one that want to buy it or get it. I mean, they certainly would be one of the people. Okay, okay. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.